Hello, this is Dan Smith. Welcome to the Christian Leadership Podcast, where we delve into the hearts and minds of Christian leaders. Today I'm talking with Ian Downs, director of the local chapter of International Students, Inc., an evangelical ministry that trains Americans how to share Christ's love with international students. In this interview, Ian shares with us some of the key strategies for reaching foreign students who live, work, and study in the USA. All right. Welcome to the podcast today, Ian. Thanks, Dan. Well, I want to start the podcast out by just asking you simply, how did you become a follower of Jesus Christ? Oh, wow. That was in uh, second grade in uh, Christian school. My uh, school teacher there uh, told me the gospel. And uh, some weeks later, I was in church and just felt the call of God to um, make a decision to follow him. Yeah. So you were raised in a Christian home then? Um, yeah, you can say that, but... Uh, really, my mom uh, and I started going back to church when I was about first and second grade. Um, uh, she was divorced when I was a, a baby. So, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. so did you follow God steadily the whole time, or did you ever have a time that you wandered away during uh, the time that you're growing up? I never had a wandering time, but I think there were uh, times where uh, I made steps backward and forward, you might say. I remember being in um, junior high school and just getting to a really difficult period where I felt uh, depressed, I felt alone, I felt kind of a lot of things weren't going right in life. And um, I was kind of at that moment where, did I really want to be here? I was thinking in the middle of a, a, a middle school science class, like, I should just jump out this window. I jumped up on a a science counter and threatened to do just that. Everyone thought I was joking because I was like the straight-laced square guy of the class. But everyone thought I was joking. But in that moment, God spoke to me and said, um, what about your mother and what about the plans I have for your life? Hmm. So you, you got back down and, and that was it. I got back down, uh, went back to school the next day like, Nothing happened, but inside I was processing a lot. And I was saying, what just happened there? What was this all about? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I've believed in Jesus for years now, but now I understand. He wants to be my friend. He wants to have this relationship with me and walk with me. And apparently he has plans for my life. What does that mean? Now, uh, who helped you grow as a believer? Well... A lot of folks, uh, but a couple key people were my, my youth pastor. Um, when I was 15, uh, my mom and I moved from Delaware, where I was born, to Washington State and came to a new church. And the youth pastor of that church there, a guy named Dave Jordan, uh, just uh, took me under his wing, uh, gave me opportunities to grow. We went on first mission trips together, different things, and uh, even... As I was out of high school, he kind of took me in sort of as an unpaid intern just to Mm -hmm. do a few things around the church and just walk with me, read some books with me, talk with me about that, process life, just be there. And and that kind of life-on-life ministry made all the difference. So Mm -hmm. other folks like that. Okay, good. Because I know that uh, 
generally we get saved, but it's usually someone who's discipled us before and after that. And so he was a major discipler for you. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and then other opportunities, like I got involved in uh, the Youth with a Mission program. They have, that that's a mission agency that's uh, targeting, especially 18, uh, 18 to 30 would be like their perfect mm-hmm. target range. But they also have a ministry uh, for under 18 called King's Kids. And uh, in the early 1990s, I got involved in that. I was 16 years old. And some of my leaders from that um, just also mentored me in how do you hear the voice of God? How do you uh, obey Him day in and day out when you need to step out in faith? What do you do? So some of those things really uh, came into play at that point too. So, so when did you begin? There's, there's two aspects of this. One is when did you turn the corner and become more of a leader? How did that happen? And secondly, because of your work with internationals, were those two things woven together? Tell me about both of those though. Sure. Um, I think uh, leadership really started happening when probably after I took my uh, third mission trip to Mexico and had a great uh, time with the people, but I kind of came back with this emptiness, feeling like I know I feel called to the nations, but if this is all there is, then... uh, this is not what I'm looking for. And I started really seeking, what, what does that mean? What does God want me to be doing? I felt this uh, pull towards sharing the gospel uh, as a missionary or at, with other nations uh, for a while. And uh, I started to uh, search on my own. Uh, I took a class called Perspectives yes, uh, on the World that. Christian Movement that opened my eyes to a whole huge uh, nature of, uh, of gospel work that I hadn't even seen. And, and that really began. Uh, and then making the choice, like, okay, I'm going to step out from where I'm at, and I'm going to go down to Los Angeles. I was living in western Washington at the time. I'm going to go down to Los Angeles and learn more. And so I think for me, uh, taking that step to grow and learn was actually my, like my first step in leadership. Um, I, I stayed at, um, in Pasadena, California at what was the uh, U.S. Center for World Mission at that time. Now it's called Frontier Ventures. Okay. And um, I worked in their magazine called Mission Frontiers for about four and a half years uh, as an assistant editor. Mostly I, I did you know layout, copy editing, things like that. But I, I started writing some stories too. And while I was doing that, I started going to school at night, uh, working on my bachelor's degree. And I'd been doing that night school for about two, three years, and someone came to me and said, did you know there's a thousand international students right here at Pasadena City College where you're going to school? And that just uh, blew my mind. I, I was thinking, oh my goodness, here I, I am. You know, I, I've been here for three years. I, I'm a person who's committed to sharing the gospel and I haven't made a single friendship like that. It reminded me immediately at that moment, reminded me of a sort of obscure story in Second Kings chapter 7 where the lepers are outside uh, the city of Samaria, which is under siege. And uh, they say, hey, if we stay here, we're going to starve. We're going to die. So let's go over to the enemy camp. Maybe they'll feed us before they kill us. That would be a better way to die. They go over there. The enemy camp, enemy camp is deserted because God has 
scattered the enemy. And in verse 9, they say, hey, this is not right. This is a day of good news. We need to go back into the city and let everyone know. And it's like to me that it is not right. This is a day of good news. I'm here on the city college, and I'm just, I'm just feasting and I'm not sharing. Wow. So tell me about your first steps in that. Yeah, so immediately I, I got connected with the organization that we're working with now. It's called International Students Incorporated. And I, I said, hey, I, I want to get involved. I understand there's all these international students. And they said, well, that's great. There's a local ministry here. Uh, this uh, couple in their 80s, they've been ministering to international students for years and years. They have a thing every Friday night in their home with a Bible study. And so we just started getting involved in that. Um, at the time, uh, I, I started dating the woman who would become my wife, Erin, and uh, I said, hey, I'm, I'm getting involved in this. Why don't you join me? And so we did. We volunteered together, and within about six months, I made the shift from the ministry with the U.S. Center for World Mission to uh, getting on with ISI, and uh, I've been with ISI for 17, almost 18 years now. Wow, long yeah. time, yeah. long time. Yeah, so then uh, kind of walk through a little bit of those 17 years. Uh, how, where, where did you go? What did you do? What did you learn? Yeah, wow. Well, it, I always remember the first year that we started. Uh, we were there at Pasadena City College, and um, I was still working on my degree. So I was a student and a minister at the same time, and uh, something amazing happened. September 11th, oh. and uh, I remember being there in the quad in the in the center of school, and uh, just there with a Burmese student and some others, and and I just feel like, hey, well, I felt like sharing a message in the quad at that time. That's not usually what I do. I don't usually <laughs> get up in the quad and preach or something, but but uh, it was such an unusual day, you know, in, in our nation and in the society. It's like, hey, you know, this is the time we need to really focus in on what we're doing. And I really feel like our the work that we're doing, I think, is important related to even even that, what we call the war on terror. Like, how many students from other countries are coming here? What kind of welcome are they getting? What kind of picture of America are they getting? And what are they going home? What values are they going home with? I think those are some of the things that from day one have really impacted the way I do ministry. And so, uh, so we did a year in Pasadena, and uh, then we got married, and we moved to um, Northridge, California, which is about 45 minutes away in the San Fernando Valley, and I continued my degree in anthropology at uh, Cal State Northridge there, and we had a fantastic time doing ministry at Cal State Northridge for about 13 years. And during that time, we uh, did a lot of things. We partnered with another couple there in uh, Northridge, who had a big home, and we did not, but they they were uh, more um, boomers and kind of finishers, as we say, uh, and wanting to use what they had for God's kingdom, and so they opened their home to international students twice a month on Fridays, and it, we would have anywhere from uh, 30 to 80 or even more students coming on Friday nights to wow. have dinner, discussion, and fellowship. Um, one of our key slogans we had during that time period was from friendship to leadership. This is something that I would use with everybody I met, whether it was our, our volunteers, 
or the students. We wanted them to know, hey, we want you to come to America and feel like you have a friend, like you are welcomed. But we also want you to know that because of the nature of your education, you have the potential to be a leader when you go home. You may not be the uh, prime minister of your country, but you may be a leader in business, science, education. I, I still, we still see that to be true. And uh, so that's something that, um, you know, from friendship to leadership, that's my heart as I'm kind of a coach in my personality and gifting style. So I want to help a person wherever they're at to take that next step in their life uh, towards uh, where they need to be going. So, yeah. mm -hmm. so you've uh, seen people go out all over the world. Do you know about how many countries? Oh, one time I looked at my database and it was it was 70 at that time and that was many years ago. Wow. So it's probably over 100. Yeah, yeah. What are the challenges of doing this sort of ministry? Uh, basically being a missionary, but here in the United States, having the world come to you. Mm. But what are some of the challenges there? Well, it's got a lot of things going for it. Okay. But um, I think some of the challenges are that You've got, uh, you've got people coming and going all the time, uh, like a lot of campus ministries. And our ministry is kind of squarely straddling campus ministry and mission ministry. Because, But like a lot of campus ministries, we have a lot of turnover. We have students coming in all the time, and we have students moving on all the time to other parts of the country to continue their education or going home. So uh, we're constantly having to say goodbye. And that part, emotionally, at the heart level, that's hard. That's hard. But we keep those relationships. We don't look at it just as we've got you here this time, and once you go, you're out. No, we try to keep those friendships up, especially with those that we've really walked a long way with. And so uh, it's both very rewarding and difficult in that respect. Another thing is that I think we have to live Counterculturally, in the midst of our culture, we have to kind of um, just take a really different approach. Like, and, and sometimes we're hard for people to kind of fit into their category of well, what we're doing. Give me yeah. some examples of living counterculturally. I remember, I remember uh, the day that in two thousand and three that we, uh, that the United States went into Iraq to uh, remove Saddam Hussein with everything going on there. And, and of course, over time, that's become a very uh, questionable decision for a lot of people in terms of political decision. Was it right? Uh, was it based on good data? Were we lied to? Many people ask these questions today. But what I remember of the day that it went in, that, that it happened, I remember a student coming up to me uh, in my face and saying, why are you invading our country? And just, so what I mean by counterculture is like, okay, so as a minister of the gospel and as a welcomer, I want to hear that perspective because that may not have been my perspective from my point of view. I might have been saying, look, I think we're trying to write injustice here or something. But, but I felt like I have to listen. I have to listen to the international voice in a way that it's not necessarily uh, done on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now you talked about uh, friendship to leadership. 
can you tell me a little bit more about your process of reaching and discipling internationals? Absolutely. Um, I was uh, in Europe uh, a couple of years ago on a, a short survey uh, trip with some other colleagues, and um, we were kind of talking about the nature of international student ministry with some folks there, and something just dropped in my head. I really felt like it was from the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's this idea of A, B, C, D, <laughs> the A, B, C, Ds of this ministry. Okay. Here it is. Uh, accessing I students. love acronyms. I right. do too. And it, I mean, I'm a simple guy. I think keeping it simple is really helpful. And this particularly helps me simply evaluate uh, every decision from small to large strategic planning. So here it is. Uh, accessing students. You got to meet new students all the time. Building bridges of trust is B. Uh, creating community because these international students that we're reaching have been separated from their home communities, have been separated from their families and, and many of the things that they're used to. And so they lack community, they need community, and community is where uh, the work of God happens. Finally, after community, we're also looking at disciple making. If we don't have all four of these things involved in some aspect of the ministry, we're not making it happen uh, in the way it needs to be. ISI's motto, by, by the way, is sharing Christ's love with international students. So love happens in community. And so we're trying to build a, the, um, the foundation of trust and community so that we can have just honest discussions about life, about who we are as people, what we think. I, I love the trading aspect of talking about the experiences that I've had and also listening to their experiences. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so um, let's look at building trust and community. Yeah. Um, so uh, building trust and community sometimes are mutually exclusive in that, that it seems to me that community conflict comes. When, you know, like think of a family, there's always bickering. Right. Or whenever you're trying to move into community beyond acquaintances, there comes a point of conflict. Can you speak to that? Or, or does that re resonate at all? Or has it not been your experience? I think it's true. I think, I think you're right about that. Uh, you know, when you're talking about building trust, when I think about that, I think about that more on an individual basis. Like, uh, we've got, uh, at any given time, we've got 10, 20 volunteers involved in our ministry. And so at each one of those levels, I want the students involved with that person to know this is a trustworthy person. They're not going to uh, tell stories on me, and they're not going to... Um, betray me, you know, so at a one-on-one -on -one level, that has to be there. But then you're right. As we grow in community, what's happening is all those one-on-one -on -one relationships begin intertwining. I think it uh, reminds us of, uh, you know, kind of what's said in the epistles about, you know, every ligament of the body being built together. And it's kind of a uh, interweaving of that. And, and I think it's a miracle. But in the midst of that uh, interwovenness, there's got to be conflict. And there's definitely got to be conflict when we've got so many different worldviews yeah. at play Clash of in values. a community. And so, yeah, I remember times and, and what, how those two have come into play. There have been times 
in the ministry when I've had to step up. You know, I don't usually think of myself as a pastor, but I've had to step up in the shepherding role and protect people who are, are being hurt in the community and set boundaries, uh, you know, and, and then have hard talks with the rest of the community about what did we just do and why was that? Well, the reason why I have to have those talks is to build the trust, maintain the trust. And what I see from times that have happened, even though those are painful and difficult when sometimes we got to address some things that are going on, uh, at the same time, uh, years later, I see those same people that were involved coming back and saying, can we get together? Can we visit? Can we talk? You know. So it's a victory, because once you get into community, you never really get out. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah I'm seeing people today that we were ministering to eight, nine, ten years ago. Now they're in their 30s. And now I'm seeing that seeds that have been planted are growing in their life. Good. And so, uh, right before the podcast, we I mentioned David Watson, and you said that you use some, and uh, the book is Contagious uh, Disciple Making, which I was so glad to see he finally wrote, you know, because for many years he didn't have anything in print. Uh, tell me about that and integrating that into your disciple making. Absolutely. About uh, seven or eight years ago, um, ISI introduced to uh, all of us on staff uh, the, the idea of Discovery Bible Study and what was going on. And this is something that uh, David Watson was intimately involved in developing um, in his ministry and, and other places. And, and what I saw immediately after almost a decade working with international students at that point, I said, this is something we need. It was such so such a powerful thing that I, I, I literally began weeping a little bit because I was like, we've missed this. We've needed this. And so uh, a couple of the key principles, and I actually came up here to Pullman three years ago. In part, I have a local role uh, reaching the WSU campus and a, a little bit U of I, but I also have a role as Northwest Training Coordinator. So for the last three years, I've been conducting trainings that talk about Discovery Bible Study, and we've trained about 450 people in the Northwest states of Idaho, Washington, and Oregon. And so uh, that's been pretty exciting. The idea behind it is that, look, um, God's in charge of the process, so we got to be praying because we have to be utterly dependent on Him and the authority of His Word to see anything happen. And as we pray, what are we praying? We're praying that God would bring us people that are prepared. Uh, one of the um, phrases in the Scripture from Luke chapter 10 is the, the person of peace. Jesus sends out the 70 disciples and says, uh, Go into the towns, and uh, when you go there, preach the kingdom, and, and look for the person that will welcome you into into their home. When you get there, stay there, and uh, keep healing the sick, and uh, preaching the kingdom, and that's the idea. So who is this person that God has prepared in advance to receive the messenger, to receive the message, and maybe they're a person of influence that can open the sphere uh, around them, uh, whether it's their family, household, 
or their student community in this case, or otherwise. And so as we look for those people that God's prepared, then we can invite them. If you want to get involved in a discovery process together, we have a simple Bible study. We can do it together. We'll do it with your friends. So it's this idea of walking alongside a person instead of being ministry, doing something to someone else, that we instead are trying to walk along in a person's journey and help them discover who Jesus is by looking at the Bible. What's been the fruit from that for you? Oh, it's been pretty amazing. Uh, we have seen, uh, you know, starting in our ministry in Los Angeles, we've seen uh, many students come in and, and, and start making amazing discoveries. More recently here in Pullman, about two and a half years ago, we were um, in one of these studies, and we are looking at the passage where Jesus heals the man that's let down from the roof. He's a paralytic, uh, let down by his friends from the roof. And the point of that passage, if you remember, is that Jesus has the power to forgive sins mm -hmm. uh, because he says, son, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees go up in arms because only God has the right to do that. And so Jesus, knowing their thoughts, says, you know, hey, um, what's easier? Is it easier to say I forgive your sins or to heal a man that's been paralyzed? Just to prove that I can do the one, I'll do the other. So he heals him, and then and then the man walks up praising God. So in the course of this Bible study, where we're studying this passage, a, a girl that um, hadn't been there before said, um, Wow, I see this. And we asked this question at the end of the Bible study. If this passage is true, what might you do differently this week as a result? And so she said, in response to that question, she says, hmm, maybe I'll ask God to forgive my sins this week and help me with my research. And so it's not a perfect response. She didn't understand everything about the gospel, but the, the study itself challenges us to test the Word of God. What, what truth in the Word of God we're seeing and discovering for ourselves is something, if you discover a truth, no one can take that away from you. Mm -hmm. And and when you do discover it, you want to test it. You want to see, is this really true? And so we ask some of those if-then questions in the middle of our study to try to, a lot of these students that I work with are scientists or engineers. And so they have that hypothetical mindset. If these set of conditions are true, then this should be the result. And so I love to put them to the test and see what happens. Wow, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So the, uh, what would you t say to someone who maybe they're listening to this podcast or just throughout their life, they realize, hey, I want to start reaching out to international students. I never realized I don't even need to leave my job, my home here. I can go to the nearest university or enclave. What would you say to them how to get involved in that? Absolutely. Um, well, first of all, if you live near a university, there's probably an international student ministry around. It might be with ISI, our ministry. Uh, please feel free to look at isionline.org and look for uh, local staff in your area or contact. We can get you in touch with someone. Our mission is not only to reach students, but we want to um, work in cooperation with the local church and others. So a big part of my mission, as I said, is to train others to help build them up and and to uh, release people in the body of Christ 
to be the welcomers that they want to be. There are people in our churches that have the gift of hospitality, that love to make meals, that love to just do something practical, like give somebody a ride. Well, those are the kind of things that international students really need. Mm-hmm. And when we're able to use our gifts, but then we say, well, how can I connect that with something like evangelism? Well, the, some of the things that we're learning can help. And so we love to help you do that. Yeah, good. Yeah. One more question for you today. Uh, what do you think the church, the church needs most today? Mm. I think the church needs a deeper prayer life. When we talk about church or um, growing ministry, about transforming society or whatever catchphrase you might think, whether it's, I, I mean, and, and you could be thinking big, you could be thinking, you know, smaller in size like, I want to impact families or whatever that ministry focus is, we got to realize how much of this is something only God can do. Um, we're so used to, um, we're so used to following our schedules and following our principles. And even, I might even sound like that with my A, B, C, D, but really behind the scenes is, is a focus that, hey, um, God, only you can do this. Only you can bring people who are ready to hear the message. Only you can bring people uh, around from one worldview to another. And only you can heal our, our families, our homes, and our, our nation. And so I think we need a deeper prayer life. Good. Well, thank you very much, and uh, I'll be watching things going. Maybe we'll talk to you again sometime okay. in the future. Thank you, Dan. Thank you for listening to the Christian Leadership Podcast with your host, Dan Smith. You can find us at christianleadershippodcast.com or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you usually listen to podcasts. We'll be back next week with more Christian Leadership Insights. Have a great week and see you next time.